0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Liberation Bible Study. Uh, This is the place where we reconnect to the deep roots of resistance and liberation that biblical texts offer. I'm your host, Alex Hatchin McNeil, and in this Bible study, we feature conversation partners who bring an intersection of identities, either as LGBTQIA plus folks, as people of color, as activists, as theologians, and pastors. Today, we are continuing our interactive conversation for folks tuning in on Facebook. Hello, we're glad to see you here. Wherever you are and whenever you hear or watch this conversation, I hope it can offer you a moment of respite and reconnection in a space of spiritual nourishment to fuel your well of resilience. Today, I am thrilled to have Reverend Ann Dunlap with me to read 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 1 through 13 the theme of knowledge and welcome to this fun conversation together thanks it's really good to be here thanks for having me absolutely and we are excited to get to know you better and invite uh, you to name um, your name pronoun work and identities so that we can be clear about some of what we're bringing to the biblical text when we encounter it
1: beautiful Um... Thank you, and thank you again, and hello, everyone. Um, Again, my name is Anne, uh, Reverend Anne Dunlap. Uh, My pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, My work is uh, all different kinds of things with the purpose of trying to contribute to shaping a world that is free from violence um, and where everyone um, feels cherished, everyone has what they need. Some of the ways I do that um, is through my work as the faith coordinator for showing up for racial justice, which is a national network, um, an organization whose mission is to move as many white people as we can into the multiracial work for um, movement for racial justice. I do that part-time. I also do some teaching. I am an herbalist uh, as well. Um, I, lead workshops, I sometimes work, have worked on a goat farm. There's all kinds of ways that I <laughs> have found to express that like inner purpose that, that I feel um, for my life, uh, community organizing, all different kinds of things. So I bring all of that, all of that, um, like 30, 35 years of some kind of movement experience, some kind of justice experience um, uh, into this conversation with us and in terms of identities, um, I am uh, first of all I'm white. I'm very clear that uh, that I am white. Um, I'm queer, lesbian, um, raised middle class. Um, I'm a southerner. It's important for me to name that that I'm originally from the south. I'm originally from Arkansas, um, but have lived all over, um, mostly the west of the United States, and now live uh, on. Uh, within the Haudenosaunee Confederacy in a place currently called by settlers, uh, Buffalo, New York. So that's just a little bit about me. I don't (laughs) Thank you. Yeah.
0: Especially important um, one, land acknowledgement and goat farming background. um, (laughs) Two really important parts of who you are. Um, And and y'all know I'm uh, Alex Patrick McNeil. Pronouns are he and him. Um, And the work I'm privileged to do is as executive director at More Light Presbyterians in service of a deep calling of helping individuals and congregations wrestle with how do we follow God's expansive abundance towards inclusion, towards justice, towards liberation. And um, wouldn't have articulated it that way five, 10 years ago, but um, that's really crystallized for me in the past couple of years. and I identify, I am white and identify as a transgender man um, and as queer and living um, on land, uh, Cherokee land here in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, and I actually did a little bit of a farming world moment. Uh, we had, we had um, miniature horses and a big horse um, on, a, on a farm south of uh, Asheville for a couple of years. So we I know a little bit home. about manure yes, yes. <laughs>
1: it is never ending that's the lesson The know how to <laughs> do
0: the shit to find uh something go. kind of clean it up a little bit um <laughs> so i'm excited to read this text what a we have we have quite a text for the lectionary for next week um and reading first corinthians chapter 8 verses 1 through 13 and as y'all know we do this lectio divina style but uh, with a twist uh asking a different question as we go and and seeing how the text shapes our understanding of resistance and liberation. So Anne, I would invite you to read uh, the text through with us for the first time and we will notice what stands out to us, especially in this theme of knowledge. Beautiful.
1: This is uh, the new new revised standard version. Now concerning food sacrificed to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Anyone who claims to know something does not yet have the necessary knowledge, but anyone who loves God is known by God. Hence, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that no idol in the world really exists and that there is no God but one. Indeed, even though there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as in fact there are many gods and many lords, yet for us, there is one God from whom are all things and from whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all are all things and through whom we exist. It is not for everyone, however, who has this knowledge. Since some have become so accustomed to idols until now, they still think of the food they eat as offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not bring us closer to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if others see you, who possess knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, might they not, since their conscience is weak, be encouraged to the point of eating food, sacrificed to idols? So by your knowledge, those weak believers for whom Christ died are destroyed. But when you thus sin against members of your family and wound their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is a cause of their falling, I will never eat meat, so that I may not cause one of them to fall.
0: Thank you. I'm curious what stood out to you in this first reading.
1: Oh, um, (laughs) One of the things that always stands out to me about about Paul, and I actually um, strangely really like Paul. I love wrestling with Paul and engaging with Paul. And like, because I think that um, Paul is actually, Paul's letters are actually one of the few places where those of us who have power and privilege within systems of domination are actually being spoken to directly. Because he's Mm -hmm. most often, as in the case of this text, speaking to Gentiles, speaking to Romans, you know, people who have power within within the Roman empire, which is not the Jewish people. Um, and so as a white person, I'm like, well, I wanna hear what you have to say, even if I don't always agree. And the first thing that strikes me is just how um, half the time he doesn't make sense. Like he just, he wanders off on these tangents, um, which I think is really funny. But <clears throat> um, one of the things besides that that strikes me about this reading um, is this place of knowledge and knowledge according to the corinthian community some of them anyway being held up as some kind of value um, against which uh other people in the community um are held to that standard so we have this this kind of valuing of knowledge, but then we, we're also hearing about the weak and um, and how with that 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 knowledge and in this case the knowledge of uh, around the provenance of food, like where does it come from, um, like sure, we have this knowledge, but what does it actually serve um, if you're harming your sibling in the community right. um, Would this be a place to go into like some of the stuff that I was reading about before we sure. got on the call? Because <laughs> I just yeah. Tried... yeah. yeah.
0: I, th- I think that what I noticed as you were reading and I'm curious what, how this aligns with what you sort of studied about the text is almost this question of intention versus impact around mm-hmm. what do you know or believe and how does that, how does whatever action you take with that knowledge, impact those who receive that action um and yeah, the mm-hmm. Corinthians community I really really appreciate your naming that here Paul is speaking to kind of upper middle class well to do folks, and yet it seems like it's also a multi class environment where there are some folks who uh can worry about where their food comes from and some people who are struggling to find to have food and you know, how hard it might be to attain protein, like meat, if you were as, yeah, if you only, if you didn't eat, ever eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols. Um, but yet all of that universe is is there and yet actions have consequences and impacts. And I think I really appreciate the work of, um, activists working in in white communities around thinking about that more deeply around decisions and choices white folks make with or without knowledge and then (laughs) impacts that are kind of resonating beyond those decisions.
1: Yeah, with or without knowledge or the knowledge that we think we have that makes Mm -hmm. us so great and awesome and the good good ones and puffed up. But yeah, and I think, the, the the intention and impact is is definitely there and i think also you know paul is most often writing to these communities because they're in conflict and that's definitely true in corinthians it's just like he's addressing conflict after conflict after conflict and trying to for me it was like well what what is really the conflict here is it really about just the eating of of meat and where the meat comes from was it sacrificed did we get it in the market like um or is there something like deeper going on here, um, which it often is for Paul, of, of how is the community actually, how are people treating one another? I'm coming back again to, to that, that first verse, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Love builds up we get this, you know, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, that famous hymn to love in chapter 13, we have the the beautiful formulations in in Romans of of love is the fulfilling of the law. Like this matters to Paul. It's not so much like, although this is what we think about Paul, I don't think it's necessarily true that that he was all about like the purity of your theological doctrine. He really cared how people treated one another. And particularly he cared about um, the ways in which these Roman citizens who made up um, a lot of these communities where he was going around setting up these communities around uh, the, um, the Roman empire, how those Roman citizens were treating the people who were not Roman citizens mm-hmm. or treating people who had less privilege. They may have been um, considered Roman but had less privilege within, within that system. He gets really mad when the people who have power um, lord it over everybody else um, that's how I read romans that's how I read corinthians i mean uh, and so when I look at this this particular um, set of verses and and what is the what's the crux of this conflict and recognizing that that early in corinthians in, in the first chapter um, paul. Takes these formulations that the the Corinthian community members have made about about knowledge, about being mature, about being spiritual. The, and he's quoting them. He's quoting them in this text, although you might not be able to tell. I tried to highlight that a little bit with how mm-hmm. I read it. Um, he's like quoting them back at themselves. You know, um, all of us possess knowledge. Like that's that's a thing. So like knowledge, being wise. Being powerful, being noble—these um, are all things that you know. The we might say the woke Corinthians are are holding on to as as value and as power. Yeah. And, and then um, holding um, distant from themselves, then the the unspiritual, the foolish. We're familiar with that language in Corinthians. The weak, which is what we get here in this text, and in chapter one. You know, Paul is really clear that God chose that. God chose the weak, God chose the foolish, God chose what is despised, which is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And it is to that despised, foolish, weak Christ that we are meant to be accountable. So we need to be reading this text in the light of of that, of like the centering actually of weakness and foolishness Mm -hmm. And then just a couple chapters later he comes back to this conversation about the food and actually <clears throat> prohibits people from from eating food sacrificed to idols if they know that that's where it comes from. So we have this kind of like we all know like idols aren't real so food is whatever we can eat whatever we want but if you know that that's where it comes from don't eat it. Like <laughs> so so there's there's more here than just Do we eat the meat or do we not eat the meat and for me in verse 10 here if others see you eating in the temple of an idol so that means you have gone into one of these roman cultic sites and eaten the food that has been sacrificed there as part of the roman cult so you have participated in the practice of roman imperial theology and so if, if your community is trying to follow not Rome, yeah. but Jesus, what in the world are you doing participating in these, in these Roman cultic practices? Yeah. Even if we know that the, you know, the idols aren't real or whatever. And along with that, to remember that these, these cultic practices, these sacrificial meals that happen, Um, both in temples, but also in homes and in in other spaces, they're actually used to reinforce the Roman social structure. And so for me, what Paul is actually getting at here is um, not so much about do we eat meat or not eat meat, but more about if we are followers of Christ and not of Caesar,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. then we should be like extricating ourselves from participating in these systems that continue to perpetuate um, the kinds of harms that that we're trying to respond to. Mm. It's a very different way of understanding Paul. Um, But I could, we could have like 20 podcasts just on how I'm understanding Paul of setting up these kinds of communities that are trying to live in resistance to
0: Mm-hmm.
1: the Roman imperial way of life that has slaughtered Paul's people. Right. And taken them, well, not yet. This is like 20 years before the destruction of the temple. But mass crucifixions, like these are things that Paul would have seen, not just of Jesus, but of any kind of resistance um, in, in, in the Palestinian re- uh, region by Jewish folks. Um, you know, this, this immense amount of violence. Uh, And so if we, if we're following Jesus's way instead of the Roman way, then that has to mean we give up some of this access. Mm -hmm. Participating in these, in these cultic practices to uphold or, or or to gain social standing status connection. Like that is not what being a part of the community of Christ is supposed to be about.
0: Mm. I think that's such a powerful reframe and I appreciate you walking us through it because Gosh, as folks, of those of us in the queer community, I think Paul constantly can be such a triggering, just even hearing a, a letter from Paul in church yeah. can just, you're bracing for mm-hmm. where's the bat. And yet over and over again, though he is an imperfect, as many of us are, yeah. um, narrator, he, what he's trying to build in Corinthians and Romans is this ethic of love. What does it mean, what is revolutionary, radical love centered in this Christ who was marginalized, rejected the Roman state? Um, What kind of love then are we called to show
1: Mm -hmm. our neighbor
0: and our members of our community? Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And in complex communities that have Roman citizens, freed slaves, um, lower class workers, Enslaved people, uh, Jewish people who may or may not have any kind of economic stability. I mean, that's complicated. This isn't a, a, like a, the homogenous white church on the corner. You know, these are complicated. Even in Corinth, where, from what we can tell, it's mostly Gentile, mm. um, but there's still Jewish members of this community, and and some class difference within this community as well. Um, and that's complicated. And I don't think he always gets it right, but. But reading Paul through that lens of trying to figure out how do we live counter to what the empire is telling us um, is really for me really fruitful.
0: Yeah, especially when there's tangible benefits to um, participating in empire. The it sounds like the the meat sacrifice to idols was a party scene. This was not necessarily <laughs> just this like somber you know church buffet, but it's a place where you know in the home or at the occultic temple like it yeah. was a pretty sweet place to go and like make your connections do your business
1: sounds right like the country club in some ways you know Eat some um, quality
0: food that you might not have access to otherwise right kind on of a social climb but so what does it mean and he's not naming this in this passage but what does it mean to give up? Yeah, like you're saying, kind of dis- disavow that, disassociate from that, um, mm-hmm. boycott that in a way. Um, mm-hmm. And that, he doesn't really go into it in this passage, but like, what are the consequences for those who would have access to that saying no? He talks about what are the consequences to doing it for yeah. others in the community? Um, that's a really
1: great point that I hadn't thought of. And in that way, he's kind of he's he's kind of centering the weak, if you will, in that w- what is the impact to to those who who have less power, privilege, whatever we want to call it? What is what is the impact to to those folks of, of our behavior um, rather than well what's the what's gonna be the cost to me?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, it's a, it's a flipping of, of that and, and such a familiar uh, way of operating in the, in the white church of like, what's that gonna cost our budget if we actually, you know, what members are we gonna lose if we hang the Black Lives Matter mm. sign? Like, well, what's the impact gonna be on the black community, the indigenous community, the immigrant community if we don't, if we continue in the in the way that that we're going and continue to participate in these cultic practices of the of the empire
0: yeah yeah do you see this Emma, do you, would you read this as like a calling in of folks who have been participating in the cultic temple acts to say it's not necessarily shaming them for kind of bad behavior quote unquote but um saying hey there, there is a consequence for what you're doing. Let's invite you to consider that more deeply. And um, kind of, to me, I almost see it as coming alongside people on this journey of transformation into what they might do or believe or practice that is more centered in, in the marginalized community um, that they hadn't necessarily had been, I can't imagine they would have been as in touch with before participating in this kind of, we love Jesus, <laughs> like, like this <laughs> band of Corinthians. I mean, yeah, I just,
1: yeah. Yeah. is yeah. a great question. Um, I, I think Paul pops off an awful lot and <laughs> he starts off, uh, you know, food sacrifice to idols in the Greek is, um, a derogatory term used by <laughs> used by Jews. So I'm not, I'm not sure that he's like
0: it's not that calling
1: in, like we talk about it at Surge, where we're not blaming and shaming and we're trying to bring in as many people as possible. I mean, you know, I think when he gets mad, you know, he's mad. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that until doing some study uh, earlier today that, that that's actually a, a derogatory term. So he that. starts off by insulting the Roman practices. <laughs> gotcha. um, And then like turning their knowledge on their head. Um, But I do think that he is concerned about their ability to be a part of this community. And as much as, or almost as much as, the impact um, uh, on the rest of the community of their behavior. Love builds up community. Like this isn't isn't actually a community if some folks are doing things that cause the rest of the community harm.
0: Mm. Yeah. Okay. I, I kind of think we're moving to, into the second reading territory um, to consider how this text calls us to resistance. Like what in this text is there for us to hear a word of what it means to participate in resistance in terms of resisting empire and status quo. And then, as I've said before, kind of nuancing that, that as we're listening to it a second time, If something within us is resisting this and and having that ooh moment, then that's a worthy site of investigation because it does tend to bring us into a deeper understanding of the text. And I'm gonna read, uh, I'll read it for the second time. And I'm gonna read um, from the Common English Bible just to get a second kind of translation in there. See if we can hear something differently. Sound good? Good. Awesome, okay. So First Corinthians 8, 1 through 13. Now concerning meat that has been sacrificed to a false god, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes people arrogant, but love builds people up. If anyone thinks they know something, they don't yet know as one, wait a minute, this is my Kindle problem.
1: Dang it. it. It could also be a Paul problem. Cause... It probably was.
0: <laughs> oh, Zooey. Oh, well, it's acting up. Okay, we're going to do it from NRSV. All right. Door. Okay. Now concerning food sacrifice to idols. We know that all of us possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Anyone who claims to know something does not yet have the necessary knowledge. But anyone who loves God is known by God. Hence, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that, quote, no idol in the world really exists, unquote, and, quote, there is no God but one, end quote. Indeed, even though there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as in fact there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things, and through whom we exist. It is not everyone, however, who has this knowledge. Since some have become so accustomed to idols until now, they still think of the food they eat as food offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Quote, food will not bring us close to God, end quote. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if others see you who possess knowledge eating in the temple of an idol, might they not, since their conscience is weak, be encouraged to the point of eating food sacrificed to idols? So by your knowledge... Those weak believers for whom Christ died are destroyed. But when you thus sin against members of your family and wound their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if a food is a cause of their falling, I will never eat meat so that I may not cause one of them to fall. What spoke to you around the work and calling to resistance, Anne?
1: Well, one of the things that I have been thinking about a lot um, lately, and um, if you're listening live, we obviously know what day today is, January 19th. Um it just, uh, it already two weeks ago tomorrow that the um, white nationalist militants swarmed the Capitol, um, Biden's being sworn in tomorrow, like we are in a moment um and we are in a moment where white supremacist violence is very real um this has always been true maybe it's very real in the sense that more white people are paying attention to it um and hopefully we'll continue to pay attention to it and not have it fade away from our radars after after tomorrow um so one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about, and, and ever since I, when you asked me and I picked this text is this knowledge puffs up, but love builds up um, is a question that Reverend Lenise Pinkard asked in a Bible study um, I did with her um, or was it was led by her that I got to participate in um, during Advent, which is why is it that that those of us who are woke are so like, Proud, but also, I wish I had the exact language in front of me i should have I should have grabbed that, but we're puffed up
0: mm.
1: in our in our knowledge, and we love to kind of lord it over the people who aren't aren't here yet and and I'm thinking about that um, both in general and and also like as white people, I think in particular. We, we, um, we do that a lot. It's one of the reasons in surge that we have this central value around calling people in around the mutual interest, figuring out what our stake is. It's like in some ways trying to keep us humble mm. about, I did not wake up like this. I did not, you know, overnight become this kind of person that, that I am now, whatever, whatever that is, but um, hopefully with some sort of revolutionary abolitionist commitments about the world, I didn't start there. It's actually in some ways, a very recent development. Um, And, and so how is it harming actually our ability to resist? The the current manifestation of empire, which is the United States, regardless of who the president is, by being all puffed up in our knowledge, how does it inhibit our ability to actually, and I'm thinking particularly for white people, how is that inhibiting our ability to actually talk to white people who are harmed in this system? I won't say equally. I won't say even similarly, but, but the ways in which, and this should be clear now in the pandemic, that white supremacy does not care about anybody. White supremacist capitalism will devour anybody. It doesn't care how many of us die. It, it does not care about us. Um, but our propensity to like be woke about that and be puffed up about that, like how is that preventing us from actually being able to talk to the white folks in our lives who, who are more harmed by the system? Mm-hmm. Um, communities where, where political parties, denominations um, and, and other kinds of uh, formations have, have just withdrawn investment in the South, in rural communities, in poor and working class white communities, where that pain of living under racial capitalism is deeply felt. Yeah. Those of us who who have the knowledge that whatever meat is fine, because we know, like, how is that preventing us from being able to talk to the other white folks in our lives and bring them into into a vision of a of a better world. Um, we have a. I'm gonna forget her name again. Um, Burnham, Linda. I think it's Linda Burnham. We have this quote that we refer to a lot in Surge, which is, um, if we aren't organizing, if we as white folks aren't organizing, you know, white people around their hurt, then by God, the right will, yeah, and they are. Um, and and I look at this passage, and I'm like, convicted by, and the, and that's definitely me, you know, I'm convicted by, you know, knowledge puffs up, why are you being a stumbling block yeah. to building up a better community, like, standing over here, like, I have all the answers, like, I've got it all down, like, I'm the good one, like, that actually doesn't serve anything other than to perpetuate the division that white supremacy thrives on, mm. so it is in that way participating in the cultic practices of the current empire. So if I'm actually interested in in building the community, then I want to extricate myself from those cultic practices, and that also means unpuffing myself, if you will, um, and, and You know and talking to the people in my life in my communities that roman wisdom if you will calls the weak and the despised the ones who who were blamed for the attack on the capital you saw it you know the white trash the oh it's those those poor white people working class white people i'm sorry but and this does not originate from me but (laughs) You know you don't have that amount of weaponry and costuming and t shirts and yep. access if you're poor
0: yep time off that's from people work. who
1: have that's people who have money
0: yep took your private jet to d c
1: right you have the time off from a job to take however many days it took you to to get there spend the day there. Get yourself home again. Like, those are not poor people. And yet we call them the, the weak and the, and the despised, right. if we want to use the language of Corinthians. Right. Yeah. So for me, this, you know, I, I'm really convicted by this text to, to, like, think deeply about what ways am I participating in that kind of division, that cultic practice of either or, of those really harmful binaries of good and bad, that white supremacy thrives off of um, and, and, and find my way into um, a place that actually will build up community.
0: Right, yeah.
1: We know it can be done. I mean, that's, that's part of how we took Georgia back, you know. Serge got on the ground, knocked doors in December. Ended, end of November, all the way up to, to the runoff election day, knocking doors, talking to white people, in um, rural and poor and working class areas. Yeah. America. And we are already seeing the data come back that where we did that, we shifted those areas mm. towards democratic votes. Not that electoral stuff is going to save us or solve anything, because only the people save the people. But it helps to shift some of the material conditions in which we have to
0: do it. Right. Oh, gosh. You're just, you're speaking so powerfully. I just want to underline everything you're saying. Um, (laughs) But something that really just struck me is how many, and you you and I both named, kind of raised in the South, born kind of in Southern um, states, living elsewhere. I lived in Boston and DC, and um, the amount of fear that has been sown to white people about other white people. Right, right. Or southern rural um, as a as a weapon of division yeah. um, and disinvestment. You know, like pull 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 the strings out of these backwards communities. They backwards. don't have any knowledge. Yeah, backwards. Yeah. Quote, quote. That's that's in quotes, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> uh, quote backwards. Um, <laughs> right.
1: yeah, quote that back at you
0: communities yeah. and i'm so i'm i'm so grateful that surge worked in georgia in the way you did and others so many others organized so many
1: others so many others, yeah for
0: de- decades in in georgia and and you know being in north carolina for most of my life and back here again like similar um investments have been made deep 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 in pockets but i mean this is what I, where i think the poor people's campaign has been a, a place of inviting people to reconsider how much division has been sown and for what purpose, of colonization, of empire, of um, racism. And I think like I think knowledge as, as a weapon is such a powerful anchor for that conversation because mm-hmm. I think what is considered knowledge, what is considered like in, in our current context, like formal learning versus, you know, life learning and educate, like different kinds of, of wisdom. Um, I think it's such a, I think it still remains a powerful question um, within our communities of what kinds of knowledge gets puffed, <laughs> gets puffy, allows us to be puffed up. Yeah. Um, and who do we consider weak without knowledge what, what what is that? What are we saying they don't have?
1: Yeah. Um, and how are we actually being a stumbling block to being able to be in community with them? Because it's, yeah, because part of the responsibility for building that community is also, also on us. It makes me think about, and you and I kind of share this perhaps of, of being both white and queer and Christian and I was Presbyterian until I was 30, and so um, before I left and joined the ACC. And so being in um, like these Presbytery meetings and paying attention to what was coming out of the General Assemblies and all this stuff where like so many times um, if votes didn't go the way we wanted them to back in the day when we were fighting about ordination and inclusion um, and leadership, that we, we just blame the South. Well, it's the South's fault. And, and I'm just sitting here thinking about like how messed up that is of like, hello, I'm, fr- I'm queer and I'm from the South. Like, what are you even talking about? Yeah. Um, and it, it makes me wonder about how that kind of puffing up of knowledge might also be like a shame reaction of, mm. you know, of um, being a Southerner and being treated the way that we are sometimes outside of the South for being Southerners. Yeah. Right, like, um, you know, people kind of, you're from Arkansas? With like, they don't mean anything really nice by that. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: I didn't know anything good could come out of Nazareth.
1: Right? Exactly. Um, And you know, that does something to a person like, and so I don't really have a good answer for that, but just as we have continued to talk about it, like what role is of of like shame is in there, like what role of shame would have there been for for these Corinthians who were were being all puffed up and trying to keep a toehold the yeah. privilege that they had in their community.
0: Yeah. Um Cause, yeah, because shame also stops us from investigating deeper truths, deeper roots of what might be happening. So if we lost a vote, blaming it on the South, blaming it on black churches, hello, prop eight. Um right,
1: right, instead
0: right. of looking at where where might we have stumbled
1: mm-hmm. in
0: our messaging in our approach. Were we as relational as we could be? Were we actually talking to people who might might help us <laughs> get to this yeah. reality we're trying to work for. Um,
1: and were we think- talking to them in ways that actually honored their lived experience, their own wisdom, their own knowledge, if you will, that's not valued right. um, by, by, by the empire or, or by the woke left or whatever we wanna call it, right? You know? Um,
0: yeah. Yeah, I hear a word in this around resistance of unnoticing when we are we are called to resist empire or or um, oppression. Taking stock of where where our stumbling blocks are and where we are stumbling blocks and being as honest as we can about that. And that's not something we can just do in our own houses by ourselves with the lights off, but right. with with others in community, yeah. perhaps what if this, what if the community of Corinth had a conversation about this, like, and had some mutual accountability around, mm-hmm. gosh, when you, when I see you in the temple, it makes me feel like we're not even on the same page anymore. Yeah. We gave up all this. Why are yeah. you there?
1: You have my back or do you not have my back? Right.
0: Like, Yeah. Um, and I think that there's something really prophetic in that for us, which I, it makes me feel like, it, not to hasten us to the third reading, but I think we're kind of touching on it around liberation and, and um, a vision for the work of liberation that could be within this text. Do you feel good to move to that or do you have more? Yeah, to
1: yeah, let's do it.
0: And would you be willing to read it again for us?
1: Sure. Now concerning food sacrificed to idols, we know that, quote, all of us possess knowledge, unquote. Knowledge puffs up, But love builds up. Anyone who claims to know something does not yet have the necessary knowledge. But anyone who loves God is known by God. Hence, as to eating a food offered to idols, we know that, quote, no idol in the world really exists, unquote, and that, quote, there is no God but one, unquote. Indeed, even though there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as in fact there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things and through whom we exist. It is not everyone, however, who has this knowledge. Since some have become so accustomed to idols until now, they still think of the food they eat as food offered to idol, to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Quote, food will not bring us close to God, Unquote. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if others see you, you who possess knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, might they not, since their conscience is weak, be encouraged to the point of eating food sacrificed to idols? So by your knowledge, those weak believers for whom Christ died are destroyed. But when you thus sin against members of your family and wound their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is a cause of their falling, I will never eat meat so that I may not cause one of them to fall.
0: What vision for the work of liberation came through for you?
1: I was was struck this time um, by Paul's assertion that if you go to the temple and eat, then is that not going to encourage other people to go to the temple and eat? Thereby kind of actually destroying the whole idea of what this community is supposed to be about anyway. So like this, eventually we're all just going to go participate in the Roman cult and that, that is not what we're doing here. Um, And so in terms of a vision for liberation, like, again, like extricating us from the ways in which we participate in whatever we might call the cultic rites uh, of of the current empire. Um, That can look like all different kinds of things. And ultimately, it seems for Paul, and and I think Paul's not alone in this, it's really about love building up the community not about what you know it's not about how many racial justice workshops you've been to it's it's not about well I understand my white privilege and therefore I'm off the hook it's it's not about um I mean we talked about race a lot it could be all different kinds of oppressions that's just the one I think about the most in my in my in my world um so translate accordingly (laughs) it's about it's how we treat each other and how we love each other, not in like a warm, fuzzy feeling, but, but embody practices that are to the benefit of everyone. And Paul is clear in his letters that the Roman, the Roman practices are not to the benefit of anyone, that they are harmful. And, and to be a follower of Christ is, is to be a different kind of community that rejects the Roman ways of living in the world Um, and and to be rooted in practices that are about community solidarity. Um, That hymn to love in in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, Romans 12, these are all about how we live in solidarity with one another in these complicated communities in which we find ourselves, where some of us come from from a lot of, of privilege and have access to power, and some of us don't. And so the way we remedy that is by extricating ourselves those, from w- those places where we have those, uh, those uh, ties yeah. into those cultic practices and practicing something different that is not a stumbling block to our siblings, but, but builds us up builds up the community, makes us stronger together, that, that is, a, is a solidarity uh, among us. And, and I think about, um, you know, uh, yesterday was um, the holiday for, as we know, for Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. And a lot of what I read about him, but also about, other movement leaders of his time, some of whom are still with us, was the, that deep grounding in love. And again, not this kind of warm and fuzzy, you know, don't do anything to hurt my feelings or make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But a love that says, I'm I'm not going to let you participate in this anymore. Um, a love that says, I will give my last breath to try to get us free. A love that says, I'm not gonna rest until freedom comes, right? Um, a, a deep, deep love for people. And that included, if we wanna be on this, a deep, deep love for white people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about um, my mentor, Dr. Vincent Harding and, and, and his wife, Rosemary Freedy Harding, and like that love is for everybody. That love is also for white folks and the ways in which we need to be released from these systems of harm. Um, the ways in which white supremacist capitalism uh, really impinges on our ability to love our neighbor as we're called to do. Impinges yeah. us on, on our ability to like just rest, just freaking rest. Yeah. And have some sense of worth that's not tied up into production and consumption. Right. Um, mm. And the, that key place of, of, of love. I read um, the On Being interview uh, with uh, Gwendolyn Sahara Simmons and um, a beautiful movement leader, SNCC organizer still with us. Um, and, uh, uh, and it was just so full of love, you know? So full of love. Love as action of is acting towards the, the freedom and well being of everybody, not just a limited group. And so when I think about a vision for the work of liberation, it's that mm-hmm. coming out of this text. Like, if it's going to bug anybody that I eat meat, I'll never eat meat. Like, right. you know, um, <laughs> it's not about the knowledge. Dr. Harding said in his On Being interview, um, which I listen to at least once a year now, um, love Trump's doctrine every time. And that's really what I hear Paul saying in this text. Yeah. Whatever the doctrine is, the teaching, the knowledge, whatever the books say, or the theologians say, or whatever, that doesn't matter. What matters is how we love one another and care for one another, take action for one another and protect one another and keep one another safe and protected from that, which is, is trying to cause us harm. Yeah. And that's what I see.
0: Mm. I'm just basking in that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's as simple and as prophetic and as profound as love. And um, an ethic of liberation is, it's not what you know, it's who you love. And Paul really underlines and underscores that here and in other passages around.
1: And here particularly, it's, do you love the ones that the system says is weak that you're not supposed to love? And we can define that in, in different kinds of ways. You know, for me, it's thinking about what white folk the system defines as weak? Am, am I like not have not yet figured out how to love? Like, yeah. you know, but there are other ways to, to think about that as well.
0: Because Paul says, and by the way, God loves them, God right. already knows them. Um, that right. To love, quote unquote, the weak one, mm-hmm. <laughs> you love as God loves. Yeah. And um, to practice that within our communities. To me, there's a piece here that he's not naming explicitly around experiencing transformation of -hmm. that kind of love. Like what that kind of love offers is greater than any Roman feast you could ever go to. That's right. Any meat you could ever eat, that you won't even matter when you experience that kind of love.
1: That's right.
0: Within the community that builds up every single person, Um, and I think that's something that I. You know, thinking about my own stumbling blocks, where do I stumble and what stumbles me? Yeah. Um, I think it is one of the one of the kind of what I heard in this text again is just like the stickiness of white supremacy and just how like quickly and easy it is to get sucked back in to the whatever whatever privilege station um for supposed benefit you might get. Yeah. Um, in doing work with Jessica Vasquez Torres at Crossroads, Age of Race, mm-hmm. organizing, yeah. our pals. And some
1: work with them, yeah.
0: Um, she talks a lot about, you know, they have kind of a continuum of working towards institutional, within your institution, towards kind of like the, the creme de la creme, golden age of racial justice. Yeah. Uh, how amazing that would be. And she talks often about how, like, uh, uh, when you move to the next column, you have to be careful because within a few months you might move back to where you had been and how how much intentionality oh, yeah. is required to kind of stay the course of unfurling your you anti racist commitments towards justice
1: yeah
0: um, and I hear that in Paul's letter too that liberation is and we say this a lot it's like not a one time achievable you got your badge like a video game um kind of moment that that it's little moments, it's ways we care about each other, it's way we build each other up, that, that's practicing liberation far before yeah. it's a universal yeah. given.
1: As Adrienne Marie Brown says, it's practicing the world we want to see. Yes. Are we practicing right now the world that we say that we want? Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah. And I think we're in a moment. We've been in moments. We've been in, we've been in years where it feels like we're so far away from that, where it feels as bleak. And and I know it's easy to get caught in that, like, toxic new spiral of bleakness and never feel like there's going to be a day where liberation is the law of the land. Um, And yet I think that's one of my stumbling blocks is if I get sucked into that, like, despair cycle. and backslide into like, well, I just got to take care of myself. I can't take care of other people. I got to take care of my own, my own issues, my own thing the the lib, my own Liberty,
1: um, Liberty
0: of yours. Um, And I think the invitation for liberation and love is again, kind of resting in those, in those um, interpersonal moments, like as an opportunity to practice and keeping your eye fixed on this beloved community vision. Yeah, what's possible
1: and the collectivity that's implied in that, that that as you were saying like if i get wrapped up like well i just got to take care of my, my own liberty for myself because this is just all doom out here which has been my struggle in this last year it's, it's just all doom like what am i even doing um and if i think it's just all on me by myself then yeah we're doomed because A, I'm small, and B, that's not how it works. You know, Paul isn't writing to an individual. He's writing to a community. Like, this is collective work that we have to do together. Because together, maybe we'll have a better chance at finding the answers than just me by myself trying to figure out, like, do we have enough food to survive if, what like, the community has enough food for all of us to survive the, the, whatever, hopefully all of us, some things are not in our control and that's, you know, and also we live in really terrible systems, but the, the, I've noticed that in myself of like, okay, we've got to stock up on, I've never thought that way before. Like we'll get down to the last toilet, toilet paper roll, and then I'll go to the store. And, you know, now we've got, two big stacks just in case. And I, and every time I do it, I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, <laughs> why am I doing this? It's. And so, yeah, this just all of this is provoked so much like reflection for myself. And, you know, how am I getting the way of the liberation that I want for all of us, you know? And, and I, I think I want to be like also like really compassionate with us too, because clearly this is not a new problem. Right. (laughs) You know, clearly this is a very human problem that people have been wrestling with since, you know, the beginning of, of whenever, you know, how do, how do we, you know, practice the world that we want to see and uh, how do we get in our own way? Um, And so to, to not, Try to blame myself or shame myself for these impulses of like better get more pasta um, in case they run out because they did in March. <laughs> but uh, but how like collectively can we make sure that that everybody's fed? Right. Not just in a pandemic, but like in general, because we actually have the ability to do that
0: absolutely yeah. yeah and i think the love the love that we author offer to others i think first not in like first has to i think one of the barriers you have to break down is the love for ourselves mm-hmm. and like you're saying interrupting that shame spiral yeah that
1: coming back out place of
0: shame again yeah like it re- makes us retreat to say well i just won't talk about mm-hmm. whatever i just <laughs> interrupted or what i'm actually currently in if i'm struggling or having a hard time because um, we don't think we deserve to, to share what we're going through with somebody or, you know, yes. all the all the self-talk. And so I think liberation is both a very personal and communal act that yeah. happens in this cycle. And,
1: you know, yeah. Uh, Grace Lee Boggs, we transform ourselves to, to, to transform the world. What were you saying before we got on that people are worried that they don't have theolo- theologians to quote? And I was like, I don't quote theologians. Apparently I quote movement people. That's what it, I do.
0: <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, you've offered us so many places of wisdom to keep exploring um, some, some of our movement. Um, I would say idols, but it's a little loaded in this text, but people who, who, who we deeply admire are, who have helped shape and shift movements. Okay. The last question that we ask ourselves before we close is to briefly think about what's something that we want to take with us or take in, in us as a result of this conversation.
1: I think that we've been talking about it, right? Is like that, that examination of both individually, like where, where am I being a stumbling block? What's, what's a stumbling block for me to be able to love more, love more of my people? Um, Love more myself, um, and also collectively, like within our movements, within our churches, or what have you. What what is getting in the way? Um, what what knowledge do we need to like put a pin in so it can deflate a little bit, um, <laughs> so that we can actually love better? Um, that's the thing about white supremacy, um, which in, for me encompasses all the other uh, forms of oppression. Is that um, it get it gets in the way of us being able to love, to be able to love our neighbor, yeah. um, and since that's our primary calling, as as Christians, love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Um, we should be deeply concerned about the ways in which um, we are inhibited from doing that. Yeah, individually, collectively, um, you know, what needs a therapist? What needs movement? Campaign interventions, you know, all of that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Mm. You know, I'm noticing I have my banner behind <laughs> me that says, More right. love, a friend of mine gave me. And I think our conversation has invited me to anchor more deeply in love and notice when I'm not operating from that place. If I'm operating from scarcity, fear, anger, righteousness. Um, self-righteousness, knowledge, um, how can I ground back to love? And what would shift about my actions or my um, relationship or, or uh, conversation if I can go back to a place of love, a deep love for community, which I think love tells the truth, love love helps transform. Um, I used to say before, the reason I stayed in the PCUSA, the Presbyterian Church, was I loved it too much to let it off the hook for discrimination. That I mm. couldn't, I couldn't, I tried and I couldn't quite move away from it because I felt like I needed to be part of transforming it, which thank God it happened in my lifetime, <laughs> you know, within a relatively wow. short order mm. and had to face a tough question of that uh, ultimately, you know. Um, but I think that love compels us to do some pretty amazing things. And so if I can stay fixed on that.
1: yeah, um, I would even add to the love, what love does. I mean, love holds accountable, right? Love holds boundaries. Um, And also love doesn't dispose. Mm. It doesn't throw people
0: away. Even to that,
1: yeah,
0: and it has been even
1: a, when you have to set good boundaries yes. and leave places that aren't um, healthy for you, which is what I had to do with the Presbyterian Church. That's right. You know, um, both of
0: those choices
1: <laughs> are legit choices and loving choices in different ways. So yes,
0: a hundred percent. Yeah, I hope. Yeah. I hope you did not hear me say I was. No,
1: no, 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 no. I, I want other people to hear us say that. Like yeah. both of those are, are, are loving options, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. We just have such a, uh, I think culturally like a, it's such a small idea of what love is, what is you know. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. the holiday rom-com <laughs> with tiny amounts of conflict that's all resolved in, 97 minutes and they all lived happily ever after like
0: no right yeah actually love is way more complicated than that even interpersonal
1: way more awesome (laughs) absolutely yeah
0: and this has been an absolute pleasure um deeply appreciate the wisdom and gifts and uh knowledge and love that you have brought to (laughs) the conversation um Thank you, and thank you for engaging what could have been a really, it's just a complicated text. It's hard to kind of unearth what's actually going on in there uh, with Paul and for this community. And I appreciate your sitting with it and helping us get there. Um, Yeah,
1: thank you for the invitation. It's been like good for my own um, development uh, and reflection to have to sit with this and figure out what's going on here and being convicted by it and giving myself some work to do out of it. So, you know, thank you also.
0: Thank you. And thank you all who tuned in, commented and participated. Uh, We appreciate and love you. Thanks, y'all.